Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Sunbelt football, it's going to return in just four Saturdays. We'll get to today's episode in just a moment. But before we do, we wanted to remind you to go listen to our last episode. Caden and I celebrated a major milestone in the podcast history with a special bonus episode, episode 100. We welcomed ESPN personality Marty Smith to the show to talk about the Sun Belt, college football, and a lot more. You need to go listen to this historic episode if you haven't already. Today, on episode 101 of the show, we're excited to continue our season preview series by talking about the Marshall Thundering Herd with head coach Charles Huff. The Thundering Herd finished their 2022 season with a 9-4 and record that included a program-defining win over then-number-8 Notre Dame in South Bend. They also secured a victory over UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl to secure the program's first bowl win since 2018. Caden, Marshall's made a lot of noise last year in their first year in the Sun Belt. They've lost some key def- or pieces, particularly on defense. Uh, but the core of this team remains largely intact heading into the fall. We both feel like this team could be a real dark horse in that East. Yeah, and that's definitely why I picked them. I think they're going to be good at the things that they were good at last year. They're going to have a lot of places of strength that they had last season that they can transfer over to this season despite some of their losses. And I ultimately think the areas they're good in are kind of built for championship football. Talk to Coach Huff about his philosophies kind of coming up here. But I just think this team's poised for I think they're built for it. They have that strength up front on both sides of the ball. They have a rising quarterback. They have a reliable run game and some star players that came back on the defensive side of the ball for sure. And I think a lot of those guys who came back had the choice not to come back, chose to because they want to pursue a championship. So I think this team with their personnel, their personalities, and just their thirst for a championship and their second year in the conference makes them a very scary team to face for sure. Yeah, I would not want to play the Marshall Thundering Herd. Uh, but, Kane, the one thing I will say, and we'll get into this more later on, the schedule makers did not do this Marshall team any favors. Well, as promised, we're talking Marshall. The man Charles Huff is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Huff. Well, we are really excited to have Marshall head coach Charles Huff on the podcast. Coach, you're the first guest from the Marshall Thundering Herd. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Um, it's that time of the year, so we're, we're excited. I know you guys are as well. You get a lot of good interviews, you know, right at the beginning as things get kicked off. So we appreciate you covering the herd and having us on. Yeah, certainly. Football season, it's just a few weeks away. I know you guys start camp later on. Coach, uh, it's been a busy summer for you. You've been running camps, recruiting. Uh, you got to spend some time with your wife and your sons. You've got another one due shortly. What's the summer been like for Charles Huff? You know, with, with the way the, the college football schedule or calendar is set now, you know, it's, it never really ends. But, um, you know, summer is an opportunity to kind of slow down, you know, a little bit just from, you know, the, the day to day. Really good opportunity to spend time with family. Like you said, I got, you know, spend the whole month with my son who plays AAU basketball. Get a chance to see a lot of the games I don't get to see. And, you know, sometimes just being at home at, at three in the afternoon is 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 like, wow, what are you doing here? I was like, yeah, I do live here. Um, you know, but also, you know, you get an opportunity to kind of, you know, take a deep breath and kind of plan for the season. You know, what what's coming up? Where is the team? Obviously, the team spends a lot of time with the strength coaches and, um, you know, together, you know, it's it's really all the players in the summer. You know, recruiting is, is kind of slowed down because of the you know, the dead period. So it's an opportunity really, you know, people say recharge, you know, but catch and take a deep breath, 
kind of get ready for the next go around um, and, and kind of plan out, OK, what's this season look like for us? Appreciate you joining us, Coach Huff. It's no secret that what Nick Saban has built at Alabama, becoming the gold standard of college football, is a lot a lot of what other teams and programs model. You spent two seasons in the belly of that beast and kind of learned all the big and little things that make that place special. What were your biggest takeaways from your time in Tuscaloosa, and have you applied that in that Marshall program throughout your tenure so far? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is you, you can't just pick up the Alabama process and drop it somewhere else. And I think a lot of times... Um, people make that mistake or fans or people assume that, oh, well, we because we hired this person from Alabama, we're getting Alabama. I think, you know, Alabama is its own beast that's been created. And I think what you have to do is you have to take certain um, core bullets or core bolts, you know, that that hold the thing together. And you take those with you and you adapt it around, you know, your environment or the university where you are. Um, the things that I really picked up and took that I thought ultimately wherever you go are going to be able to kind of implement or, you know, consistency and discipline, you know, consistency and approach, meaning, you know, if, if you if you're in our program, it's a little bit, you know, people people say boring because we do the exact same thing every day at the exact same time, the exact same schedule, exact same calendar dates. Um, and what happens is, although it becomes, you know, kind of monotonous, um, it allows people and players in your organization to eliminate anxiety of what's next. You know, and, and and you think about it, you're a lot more comfortable when you come to work and you know what you expect, you know what you got to do, you know who's going to be there, you know how the day is going to flow. You're a lot more comfortable and you can, you know, implement yourself and be the best version of yourself. When you get into an environment where you don't know and you're unsure what today is going to be like, you're unsure what you got to do today, you're unsure what your responsibilities are, um, it, it creates a little bit of anxiety and you, you're not able to be the best version of yourself. So consistency and approach in everything, recruiting. Um, on the field, off the field, development, you know, weight room, schedule, everything. Um, and then the discipline to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it the way it's supposed to be done and doing it that way all the time. Um, those two things to me ultimately are what hold the nut and bolts of the process together. Um, and that's in everything, not just with the players, but that's with, you know, the people around the program, the people in the community, the administration, um, holding them to that standard. Um, and, and those are the things that ultimately have, have allowed us to have some success. And to me is what's going to help us continue to close the gap on the rest of this conference. Well, coach, based on that answer, I've got to ask this follow-up question. Coach Saban is obviously on the record. He drinks a cup of coffee, eats a couple of uh, oatmeal cream pies every morning. Uh, what's your breakfast? Is it a little bit healthier, but is it the same every morning? It is the same every morning. I'm not a big breakfast guy. So I usually go with two or three <laughs> cups of coffee, I usually don't eat breakfast. Um, my wife gets on me all the time, so you need to eat. Um, so I'm normally a couple cups of coffee and, you know, by 11, 11.30 or so, that's I usually eat lunch and I usually eat the same thing for lunch every day. Um, you know, I, I usually rotate, right? One day I'll eat a salad, one day I'll get a Jimmy John sandwich. But I'm very consistent in that approach, too. Um, I, I mean, it's a little bit weird. Um, but what it does, again, it allows the relief of anxiety. You don't ever have to worry about, you know what, man, I went to this great lunch spot and I ate something that just didn't settle well with my stomach. And now all of a sudden my days, you know, and, and that's, that's what it is. The other part of it is because of the regiment of the schedule, you know, how much time you have to get, you know, 30 minutes of lunch in, you know, I usually work out in the morning because that way I can do my workout before everybody else gets going or my day gets started, a couple cups of coffee, staff meeting, and then right in the ball. 
Hey, it sounds like a pretty uh, regimented schedule. Uh, Coach, looking back to your first season, you guys win seven games. Last year, you win nine. You win your first bowl game since 2018 at Marshall. Uh, You're no doubt striving for even more this season. What would you attribute the success that this program has had over the past two years, and how can you sustain that upward trajectory moving into this fall? Yeah, one, I think, again, it's it's the consistency in our approach. You know, it's it's the understanding that the process that we have in place is set for development and progress. And if you follow it, you will develop and you will progress. Now, how fast or how much, that depends on, you know, how invested you are in the process. That depends on how invested your coach is. That depends on how invested the strength staff is. Everyone improves and progresses at a different pace, but everyone improves. Um, I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing, we've done a really good job of recruiting to fill our needs and to understand that, hey, the, the roster we have is, is solid, but we've got to improve in certain areas. Um, I think when you combine really, really good recruiting, getting good players with the process of consistently improving, it's natural. And now you got to go out and execute. And I think that's what you look at our program, the issues that we've had and games that we didn't play as well or games that we didn't win were not, hey, that team was just that much better. It was nothing that you could do. It was the lack of execution. I can think back to every game we've lost, and we probably turned the ball over way too many times. We probably missed too many tackles. It was very seldom, hey, guys, that, that, that team was just better than us. And I think you look at the Notre Dame game, which everybody remembers, that team was probably better than us. But because we executed consistently, we gave ourselves a chance to win. And I think that's what the process that we implemented here allows us to do. And we got to continue to do that moving forward. It definitely sounds like consistency is the key up there at Marshall, but moving over to the X's and O's coach, you started off last season with Henry Columbia as your starting quarterback before camp Fancher took over the reins of the offense and goes five and one as a starter. He went through his growing pains. He obviously got better and better throughout the season, but won a ton of games for this team. What are your expectations for him? What do you expect to see from him in this second year in the system? Yeah, I think, you know, the same thing. We're looking for him to improve, you know, and a little more consistency in, you know, the things where he had issues. You know, obviously um, the playbook was limited, you know, you know, when he first started and we kind of loosened it up as the year went on. But we still kind of kept, you know, barriers on him or or guardrails on him, you know, being able to widen those guardrails. You know, I don't think he's going to come in and go from where he was to all of a sudden he's playing like a six year senior and, you know, he's calling his own plays and that type of deal, but we should be able to loosen the guardrails up. You know, I think one of the biggest things to help a quarterback improve um, and everyone talks about the quarterback's rating and how he throws and what's his accuracy and what's his, you know, decision-making the players around the quarterback have to improve too, (laughs) you know, so that makes it so much easier, right? If the players around him improve, well, it's a natural cause, right? If he throws the ball to me, we're probably going to get three yards. If he throws the ball to a really explosive receiver, they probably get more. You know what I mean? So the players around him improving, the O-line protecting him more, the running backs taking some off of him by being explosive and minimizing that, the receivers improving and developing. That ultimately is what's going to help Cam. I think for Cam, understanding that, okay, the improvement is going to come holistically, not that I'm going to go out here and all of a sudden – throw the ball 10 times better than I did yesterday, or all of a sudden, you know, I mean, I'm going to have a stronger, you know, arm or whatever it may be. Now, obviously his fundamentals got to improve. His understanding has got to improve so that when the players around him improve, 
now he can get the ball to him in a different position or he can put the O-line in the best blocking position to help them understand. So those are the things that ultimately I think he can take a huge step in. Coach, we're talking the day before fall camp starts. Obviously, there's been rumors of other quarterbacks. Can you just put that to bed here? Cam Fancher, barring injury, he's your week one starter? No, Cam Fancher will be the day one camp starter. And, and that, that's what Cam fully understands. If Cam gets outplayed in these 15, 20, 30 days, whatever it is, then we'll have another starter. Um, I think a lot of times, and, and I love you guys, but I think the media puts way too much um, emphasis on who's going to be named the starter and who's not going to be named the starter. Um, if we played a game today, Cam Fancher would be the starter. If we come into camp and Cam is awful the first two, three weeks of camp, then he won't be the starter. Um, and and honestly, he knows that. Um, and that's kind of how we approach it. You know, it's not, okay, well, we named him the starter. We're not looking for anybody else to improve or looking for anyone else to be better. I think you take, you know, last year, for example, Henry Columbia came out of camp as the starter. Um, Cam did some good things. I thought it was actually a really close race. I thought Cam improved, but I thought the experience level of Henry gave us the best chance to win. Um, I don't know if Cam had been the starter if we beat Notre Dame. I don't know that. Um, but I do know that when we came out of camp, Henry was the best. And as the season went on, I thought Cam surpassed him. Um, and the same thing, you know, so yes, if we played Today or tomorrow, yes, Cam would be the starter. Now, you ask me 30 days from now, I will tell you based on his progress, his consistency. Um, but, you know, I think, again, it, it's so much put on well, who are you naming the starter. I'm naming the most consistent player with the most experience the starter. And that's going to change. And, and and I hope, I tell him all the time, I hope Cole Pennington or Chase Harrison or any other quarterbacks, I hope they pass him because I know Cam's not going to give it up that means that they really improve, you know, so that to me is the competition and the consistency and the allowing players to see an opportunity for them to improve. Well, and it sounds like whoever gives you guys the best chance to win football games, that's who you're going to go with. Uh, Coach Sunbelt fans might not be as familiar with Rasheen Ali after he missed most of last year with that knee injury. Uh, Caden can certainly speak to his ability after watching him put on a show in Boone in 2021 uh, he's fully healthy again, heading into the fall. What's the ceiling for Rasheen Ali? You know, I think it's, it's, it's to be determined. You know, I think again, from a physical standpoint, I think he's ultra healthy. He's probably in better shape than he was before he had the injury. He's trimmed his body down. He's faster. He's more explosive. Obviously he's got more experience. I think, and he and I have had this conversation, the injury was probably the best thing that happened to him. Um, because a little bit of what happened is he had instant success and really didn't know why. You know, the first game he played and he scored four touchdowns. You know, this is easy. But he didn't understand, you know, the film study. He didn't understand, you know, understanding the flow of the game. He didn't understand situational football. He didn't fully understand all those things. Um, and then having that year to kind of step back and say, okay, now I understand what you mean in this situation. I understand the importance of what we saw on film or what we practiced playing into it. Um, so I think the sky, I think it's to be determined, you know, uh, on the flip side of it, I don't think he's going to surprise any defenses. So I think, again, you know, we had, you know, Saquon Barkley in 2016 and he ran rampant through the Big Ten. Well, you know, he's all fired up and coming back for the 2017 season. I said, just understand the success that you had in 2016 is going to look different in 2017. He's like, Coach, what do you mean? I said, no one's going to let you just run rampant anymore. They know who you are, you know, so they're going to game plan to try and make it tougher for you to have success. That doesn't mean you're not going to have success. 
it's just not going to look the same. And I think that's the same thing for Rasheen Ali. You know, teams are very aware of who he is. Um, so his success is going to look different. He's going to have to work differently to get the same results that he got a year ago. Definitely excited to watch him evolve and him being even more explosive is definitely a scary thing for some about defenses for sure. But staying on the offensive side of the ball, you lost a number of targets in that wide receiver room, including a guy like Corey Gamage, who's led this team in receiving for the past three seasons as a real high volume target. You're bringing back a ton of guys from last year's team. You're bringing in some several notable additions from the transfer portal. What are your expectations for your wide receiver room heading into fall? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest areas that will help the quarterback. You know, one, having more weapons, you know, being more explosive. You know, I thought we were really um, control pass game. You know, we, we had guys who could catch the ball, but we really didn't have too many guys who could stretch the field or make something happen after the catch. And I think we've added some guys that, that can do that now, which to me gives you an opportunity. You know, people say, well, you know, quarterback threw for 450 yards. Well, he didn't throw three 400-yard passes. You know, he threw, you know, a bunch of six-yard passes that turned into 12. He threw some 12 that turned into 15s. You know, so there's a there's a other side of the passing game that I think with the additions that we've made at receiver, we will be able to create a few more explosive plays. He'll have a few more options. Um, it'll allow for guys to continue to compete. You know, we only had a couple guys who were game ready um, a year ago. And then when guys start getting hurt, you put yourself in a tough spot. This year, I think we have more of those guys. So now the passing game collectively should improve. Yeah, it's certainly going to be fascinating watching that as we uh, get set to head into the season. Coach Lance Gidry departs in the offseason. He's now at Miami. You bring in Jason Seymour, who comes with a strong track record, including playing in the national championship game at the Division II level in 2021 with Valdosta State. What's impressed you most with him in your short time working with him this offseason? You know, whenever you hire a new coach, you know, coaches are probably the most prideful men in the country, even though we try to act like we're not. Um, and, and whenever you hire a new coach, you always wonder, OK, is this guy going to come in and try to do everything his way and negate the fact that we do have some ability or we have done some good things here? Or is this guy going to come in and kind of fall in line with the things we've done well, but also bring some new ideas? Um Jason has come in and done a really good job of saying, you guys are really good at this, so I'm not changing that. You know, you guys are really good at this, so I'm not going to tell you that this doesn't work. But here's where I think I can add some things to those things and some things that you didn't do to make us better. Because, again, our defense was really, really good last year. Well, teams know that. So there obviously there's going to be things they do to combat that. So the things that we did well last year We've got to be able to expand on variables that we can add to that so we can still do those things, different presentation. We can still do those things, but we also have the next step when teams start to do X, Y, and Z. And I think Jason's done a really good job of coming in and saying, okay, what do you do well? Okay, you guys did this well. You know what? I really want to do this, but this fits the same box. And, and I think the players probably had a more feeling of acceptance because it wasn't okay, yeah, you guys were good on defense last year, but we're doing this my way now and we're going to be 10 times better. You know what I mean? So him validating and acknowledging, hey, you guys are really, really good. And I'm not here to change how good you were. I'm here to add two and I'm here to keep the train rolling in the same direction. Really interesting, Coach. Excited to watch y'all lean into your strengths and maybe add some new wrinkles to that defense. But that defense was dominant, like you mentioned, and you have some holes to fill on that side of the ball, both schematically and from a personnel standpoint, I guess, with filling some of those roles and having a new defensive coordinator. What should we expect from this year's unit that's different from last year's? Yeah, well, I, I don't know fully yet because we, we we got 40 new players and only about 
20 of them were here in the spring. So we still still got to see what we got. I do think we'll be a little bit faster on defense than we were last year. Um, I do think we'll have a little bit more flexibility, meaning we've got more players in the back end that can play all four spots. Um, our backers, although last year were really, really good, we weren't as deep as we needed to be. Um, I think we've got a lot more depth at that position. Um, so from the backers and the DB perspective, I think we have a lot more toys to play with, which as a coach, it creates opportunities, it creates variables, it creates you know different packages of how you move things around. Obviously, it creates competition. Um, defensive line wise, I think, again, because we were we are returning a good bit of guys at that position, I think we can still be as dominant up front. But I think it'll look a little different um, when I say look a little different. Last year, we were a little bit more just true power, just knock guys back. I think this year will be a little bit more power and technique. You know, you, you got Owen Porter coming back, who's a veteran. You got Eli Austin coming back, who's a veteran. Sam Burton got injured last year. You know, Taquez Legs was injured a little bit last year. Um, Isaiah Gibson's played a lot of games for us. We brought in some other guys who have brought a same sense of athletic ability and physicality, but a little bit more understanding of technique and how to play blocks and how to play certain runs. Um, so we will look the same when we line up, but I think we will play a little bit different. And the tough part is our defense may be better but our statistics may be different, if that makes sense. You know, just because of statistically, it's hard to to to, to repeat what we did. Um, but as far as overall defense, I think we can still play in the same lanes. Hey, definitely excited to uh, see what all that looks like come uh, week one. Coach, up front and on that back end, you have two stars. You mentioned Owen Porter. You've got Mike Abraham in the back. Two guys that, you know, likely could have gone to the NFL draft and heard their names called. What did them returning for another season mean to you personally? And how have you been seeing them approach this, their final senior season heading into the fall? Well, I think it, it speaks to your culture. I think it speaks to the process. You know, I, I don't think players, coaches, people in general stay in any situation where they're not comfortable. I don't think they stay in any situation where they can't see themselves grow and improve. Um, so for those two guys who could have obviously went on, you know, to the next level, um, to come back to create more value for themselves. Um, I think that speaks to them seeing that, hey, there's something here that's going to help me get better. Um, and then I think it speaks to the team fact. You know, I think, again, they want to be the team that, you know, wins a Sunbelt championship or the team that honestly, you know, competes for one. And I think being around their teammates, you know, is as important as, as for them for their individual success. And I think that speaks a lot to who we are as a program and as an organization. Um, you know, college football right now is, is going through a lot of, you know, changes and ups and downs. And when players choose to stay, um, I think that speaks a lot to what's going on in your home. Definitely can echo that Owen seemed like a man in a mi on a mission this season when we were talking to him at media days. And I'm sure Mike and him are kind of permeating that culture throughout the team right now. Last thing for you, coach, though, the offseason workouts are now over. You have fall camp ahead of you who are some players whether it's offense or defense that maybe fans aren't familiar with that you believe based on what you've seen so far could have a breakout season for this team well, i don't want to give away our scouting report but um <laughs> <laughs> uh we, we've had some additions you know uh michael green you know transferred in from the university of uh, virginia has done a really good job for us this spring you know i'm excited about you know seeing him actually put it all together jj roberts who's a local kid who played at wake and transferred back um he's done some really good things there's some guys you know um, 
J.D. McKnight's a guy that's been here but is really improving. You know, last year he was a little bit more all athletic, not as much the, the cerebral understanding. He's really grasped the cerebral part. So you put that with his athleticism, that gives him a chance. Offensively, Brian Robinson's a young man who came in at receiver last year um, and played, you know, a good, a good bit for us. But obviously transferring in, learning the system, um, he's had a really good spring. Um, I think up front wise, you know, we, we've got the guys that have been, you know, linchpins for us, the Driscolls and the, you know, Osbournes and the Tuckers. Um, Lloyd Willis has come in and done a really good job for us. Um, some of our younger freshmen who we recruited, you know, last year have had phenomenal summers. Jalen Slap and Tariq Montgomery. So excited to see what they're able to do. Obviously excited to get um, Rasheen Ali back. You know, I think because of how things happened last year that gave uh, Maurice Jones and A.J. Turner a chance to play probably a little sooner than they would have as freshmen. So them bringing some experience back. And then we got some tight ends that I think are going to allow us to have some you know flexibility on our offense. You know, we brought in. Chris Matillo from uh, South Florida, and we brought in Kate Conley from um, Central Michigan, um, Luke Soto from UTEP. You know, so that gives us some flexibility to add with the guys that we have here. Um, again, the more multiple you can be on either side of the ball, the more options it creates for you. Well, Coach, uh, we certainly appreciate your time. Caden and I are both high on uh, what you guys are doing up in Huntington. Also wanted to thank Paul Feinbaum for uh, warming you up for this episode. So, Coach, thanks for taking some time to come on the show. Yeah, he, he was the opening act for you guys. So make sure you guys tweet that out so you guys' ratings go up. But uh, I appreciate you guys, man. Uh, I appreciate all you do, not only just for college football, but especially for us here at Marshall. So appreciate you guys and go hurt. Okay, and that was a really fun interview talking with uh, Coach Huff there. I loved uh, talking some Alabama football, getting a little bit of a glimpse inside the belly of the beast. And, Kane, I found it particularly interesting. Coach Huff, much like Nick Saban, he eats the same thing for breakfast every morning. <laughs> yeah, man of routine, a man of consistency. And I think his, his theme of consistency overall with this program is huge. And I think Marshall's the kind of team it sounds like I wouldn't want to be a part of. It sounds like day in and day out, it's a grind. It's a set schedule. It's kind of almost a military approach. But then once you get into the season, all that work pays off. You're trained and ready for success. And that's what we saw them do last year and can expect to see them do this year. So I love Charles Huff at the helm, taking some of those Alabama principles and philosophies, kind of remixing them with his own culture that he's built at Marshall. And I think that's why his track record in his early seasons with this team is great and could continue to be great this season and beyond. I think what's fascinating about what you just said is it's kind of similar to the town of Huntington, West Virginia. This is a a, a town, a lot of blue collar workers uh, that has always been ingrained in the fabric of that community. So I think uh, Coach Huff was clearly the right fit there. Caden, it was really interesting to hear what he said about the quarterback position. I tried to pin him down and get him to commit to Cam Fancher week one. All he would do is commit to him as his you know week one starter heading into camp. Yeah, I love his tough love approach. I think it works well with what Cam has going on, being a younger quarterback, kind of that earned, not given mentality, I think is great for this team to keep him hungry, keep him motivated, and keep him from being complacent and keep getting better. But look, this kid clearly got better and better, more and more comfortable throughout the season. He had two touchdown passes in those last four games. His completion percentage was there, and he definitely had more comfort in the pocket late in the season. You didn't have to see him rely on his legs nearly as much. I think 
similar to a Carter Bradley like we've talked about before. If he plays like he did at the end of the season, this team's going to be able to win games and be just fine. The question is, can he take them to new heights? And from what we've heard this offseason and from talking to him, I think the answer is yes. I think Coach Huff and this team are very comfortable and willing to unleash him this season. I think he had only a handful of games last season where he had over 30 pass attempts. I think if maybe, like we'll talk about later, if the receiving group potentially becomes a position of strength, Cam increases and grows as an athlete. He's going to be a guy who's going to be athletic and contribute to the passing game, the run game, the run game, sorry. That run game is going to be there. The defense is going to be there. They have that formula. The question is going to be, can he maybe add some different dimensions to his game as a passer that can maybe unlock some new things that we haven't seen in Huntington in quite some time. So I'm excited about him this season, being at the helm, him competing throughout fall camp and hopefully competing at a high level for this team this season. Yeah, the opportunity is certainly right in front of Camp Fancher. He just needs to grasp it and run with it. Uh, but, Kane, we heard Coach Huff talk about he wasn't even working with the full playbook last year. He only played in six games. He did go 5-1, and one, though, in those six games. Well, Kane, Marshall finished last season 9-4. and four. They went 5-3 and three in Sunbelt play. The Thundering Herd pulled off that historic upset back in that really historic uh, week three in the Sunbelt over number eight Notre Dame in South Bend. They also pulled off big victories over Georgia Southern, App State, as well as James Madison during their first year in the league. They finished strong, winning five straight games to end the regular season, including the program's first bowl victory since 2018 and a win over UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Caden, several members of this, of this team, including Owen Porter, Camp Fancher, have already said it. Marshall clearly has their eyes on a Sunbelt title in 23. Yeah, they've got their eyes on the prize. And I think the thing that really slowed them down last season was just their inconsistency at the beginning of the year. They kind of had that terrible game against Bowling Green. They didn't play well against Troy and Louisiana. They just had some mistakes and they just couldn't get it done on the offensive side of the ball. Their defensive side of the ball was definitely still consistent, but just as a team gelling together cohesively, it didn't work out. And I think when we get further into this schedule and talk about it later in the episode, there's definitely a lot of back-end strength to it. The question is, can they maybe get off to a strong start to the season, build some early momentum versus trying to have to figure it out last season. I think that'll do this team well. They have an early game against Old Dominion that's a must-win game for them. The question is going to be, can they catch their footing and their tempo early, ride that momentum and carry it out through the season and make do and make well on those championship aspirations that some of these players have on this team? Yeah, Kane, and I think the answer to that question is a resounding yes. I really do think early on, and we'll talk about the schedule more later on in this episode, there is a chance here to get off to a strong start position yourself well as you move into the gauntlet that is Sunbelt Conference play in that East Division. Cam Fancher, Kaden, I talked about it. He went 5-1 and one as a starter in 2022, and Marshall finished 6-1 and one in games he played in. Uh, he took over for Henry Columbia early in the season. There's been a lot of rumblings surrounding his job security, and it felt like Coach Huff was kind of noncommittal about his status for week one. They've got Cole Pennington. You've got Chase Harrison in that room as well. Caden, are you buying that there's a quarterback competition in Huntington, or is this Cam Fancher's job heading into 2023? I'm buying that Coach Huff is very serious about how he's approaching this competition, I say in quotes, but I'm also very confident that this team's very confident that Cam is going to be the guy that leads them out of the tunnel in week one and leads them throughout the rest of the season. I think this is just more of a tactic to keep Cam motivated, keep him increasing throughout fall camp, keeping him progressing and getting better and on that right track. But I think when it comes down to it, when you're a guy that performs for this team like you did to close out the season, wins them games that they weren't winning before, I think you have to go with this guy. And I think him having area to growth is only a plus side. Very excited excited to see what areas he can grow this season. But I think 
it's almost his job to lose. I think he's going to be the guy that's regarded as that number one guy. He's going to get the most reps. I think because of his growth, he's going to be able to capitalize on those reps and come into the season with more confidence, knowing that he beat off, in quotes, some of the other players that were possibly in this competition, again, in quotes, in fall camp. Yeah, and Caden, let's be honest. If you're a Marshall fan, you have to be excited about this quarterback room. You've got Cam Fancher. You've got Cole Pennington. We mentioned Chase Harrison as well uh, in there. So if there is a hiccup, you do have guys that you can go to. So certainly that will be something to keep an eye on throughout the season. Staying on offense, Caden, last year, Rashina Lee was ruled out for most of the season during fall camp. Kayla LeBourne stepped in and only led the Sunbelt Conference in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns with 16. This year, LeBourne is gone. He's playing with the 49ers, making a name for himself in training camp. Ali is healthy. Coach Huff talked about what Rasheen has seen improvements in his game. Caden, we got some flack in the offseason for not making him our number one running back heading into this fall. But how close do you think he can get to those 1,400 yards and 23 touchdowns that we saw him do uh, earlier in his career? I think the yardage is definitely something he can get close to. Those those touchdown numbers are just absurd, though. I mean, this guy, his freshman season, when it was 10 yards and in, everybody in the building knew that Rasheen Ali was getting the ball and he was going to be the one punching it in. I think even with Cam Fancher being more of a dual threat option, those numbers might be down a little bit, but you talked about it. Coach Huff said it was almost a blessing in disguise, this injury, because Rasheen was able to kind of look at the game differently and see where he's effective and why he's effective and kind of capitalize on that. So I think that's a scary thought for defenses. And I think I'm very excited for him to have a bounce back year. And I think when you look at their schedule, they start off the season against Albany and ECU. I think those are really allow him to create some momentum and get going early. I think I'm forecasting 100 yards at least in each of those games, maybe three total scores combined once we get to week three. But I think they also have Ethan Payne returning behind them as a depth running back that's a guaranteed fall forward kind of guy, a bruiser. But I am a little bit worried about the rest of the depth because it's a pretty young group. But Confident in the culture of this team running the ball, being able to run the Brock is something they're always able to do. So I'm not too, too worried about that. And I think Rasheen Ali will be the tip of the spear. He'll get back to his freshman year form or something at least close to that and be one of the most impactful, probably offensive players that this conference sees this year. Hey, he will certainly be a lot of fun to watch, Kane. And I think back to a story you told us earlier in the podcast history of you sitting out a season with injury and being able to kind of glean information from the coaching staff, have that headset on and how much better you were after that. And I have to mention, that's going to be a similar story uh, for Rasheen Ali heading into the fall. Kane wide receiver is a huge question mark for this team though, heading into the fall. Corey Gamage is gone. He was your team's leading receiver in each of the last three seasons. You also lost guys like Shadida Med and Devin Miller to the portal. But you're bringing back Talit Keaton, you've got Charles Montgomery, and you've added several key transfers, including the Kentucky product, Demarcus Harris, to the mix. This unit averaged fewer than 200 yards receiving per game a season ago. Caden, are you concerned with this group, or do you think that they can be better than last year? So I'm not super concerned because ultimately this just isn't the most important thing in the world when you look at the identity of this team and this offense. Replacing Gamage is going to be tough. He led this team, like you mentioned, the last three consecutive seasons the question is going to be can they replace his production and maybe be even more efficient with it this year I think he was a guy that there was always a large gap between him and the rest of the pack as far as production of the receiver position he had far more catches far more yards and the touchdowns were come and go but I think this unit has the opportunity to possibly have more depth and maybe spread the love a little bit and be more efficient you talked about it Devin Miller was a big loss at tight end as well but I think Brian Robinson coming within the system, we heard a lot of good things about him, as well as Jaden Harrison as some guys returning that have kind of been in the shadows that might come to light this year. And then you mentioned the transfers to Marcus Harris from Kentucky and McNeese statewide receiver Mason Pierce, I think, can make some 
big moves in the slot as well. But I think this group can get it done with just the different variety and speed they have on the side of the ball. Hopefully they've been working with Cam Fancher this offseason to get that kind of chemistry going. But ultimately, like I mentioned before, this isn't the most important thing in the world. This team wants to run the ball and stop the run on defense, and that's what they're going to do. Worst case, they can just pound the rock and play great defense as usual. But I'm curious to see if maybe this team can add a new element and wrinkle to this offense. We know Coach Huff is more willing to throw the ball if they prove they can do it. So maybe if they get some early momentum, like I mentioned, against some of those lesser opponents early in the season with this receiving core, maybe you can see them blossom. But ultimately, this isn't just the biggest concern and the biggest focal point of this offense. It can be if they can produce, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, Kane, to your point, this Marshall team, 24 and a half points per game on offense last year. That was a step backwards from the 33 points per game that they average in Coach Huff's first season. You get an elite quarterback, you get some strong wide receiver play, and suddenly this could be one of the better offenses in the league. And certainly Marshall Thundering Herd fans would love to see that. The O-line, though, Caden, should once again be a strength for this team, and that's huge because of the running backs. Uh, They're bringing back four starters. You've got returning starters at left tackle, right guard, and center heading into the season. This unit helped pave the way for 206 rushing yards per game and only allowed 36 sacks a season ago. They did all of that despite losing their offensive line coach in week two last season. It seems like this unit will once again be a strength heading into the fall. Yeah, four returning starters at Marshall is one of the scariest things you can hear as a defense because this de- this offensive line always plays cohesive. I'll never forget playing this team in the past and just seeing how little mistakes they made, how they were always having somebody on a man, how they were creating holes for their running back. I mean, there's a reason why this team rushed for more yards than anyone in the conference last year with 2,677. It's because those guys up front were paving the way and moving people out the way, and I'm very confident they can do that again. I think the real question is going to be, can they get it done in the past? game as far as blocking goes. They were a big reason why, to just call it like you see it, they're a reason why Henry Columbi was not ideally playing at his best. We talk about him at the beginning of the season. He was sacked 20 times last year. There's only seven or eight dudes in the conference that were sacked more, and he played a lot less than them. He only dropped back about 100 times. And even when Cam Fancher was in there, he was a guy that got sacked quite a bit last year, which comes with different problems when you have a mobile quarterback. Very curious to see if they can maybe take a step up in the pass protection game. But as far as clearing lanes for Rasheen Ali and those guys, I have all the confidence in the world in this group doing it again. Yeah, I want to correct something there. I said only allowed 36 sacks, Kane. You gave me a look through the screen because that's a lot of sacks to allow, especially when you compare <laughs> them to Souther. some other offensive line. You'd say were certainly good in the run game, but the passing game uh, left much to be desired. They're going to have to improve on that. Caden, we're going to stay pretty high level on Marshall's defense. We've spent the offseason talking about him. Uh, This defense allowed just 16 points per game a season ago, which was second only to Troy in the Sun Belt last year. They were a top four unit against the pass and the rush. You're bringing back only four starters, though, albeit three of those four guys are legit stars in Owen Porter, Eli Neal, and Micah Abraham on that back end. Last year, the defensive backs were amongst the country's best. It's going to be hard to replicate that finish. But, Caden, this D-line and linebacking core should be on par with last year's team. Collectively, do you think this defense can be close to accomplishing what it did last year under new defensive coordinator Jason Seymour this year? Will they be close? Yes. Like we mentioned and like you just mentioned, they have a star player at almost every level when you bring back a guy up front, Owen Porter, a guy in the linebacking core like Eli Neal and a guy on the back end like um, Micah Abraham. But I think. When you look at this team as far as a whole, just position for position, they have the recipes and all the makings of what they did last season to translate to this year. I mean, when you look at this defensive line group, for example, they have a lot of that same DNA and makeup as how things were last season. They have some huge losses to Kobe Cumberlander, 
Anthony Watts, Emmanuel Bush, who transferred to James Madison, but they lost a ton of veteran backups as well. But you bring back like the most, like we said, the most important guy in Owen Porter, who's going to be dominated. Dominant again, he's going to be more motivated than ever. Tyquez Legs had three sacks last season. Isaiah Gibson on the interior is going to be well. And Sam Burton had five sacks last year. There's a lot of guys who are kind of in more reserve roles that are going to be able to fill in to those roles this season with more confidence. I expect maybe to see a jump from this defensive line group with some newer faces. They have some scary additions as well from the transfer portal that I think will be great. But I think the hugest losses and the biggest losses of this team, I think, are when you look at the linebacking core with Charlie Gray and Abraham Boplan. Those were two amazing players, some all-conference type talents there. You bring back Eli Neal, which is great because he was the team's leading tackler. He was that anchor in the middle, and he's one of the best in the business. I think some positional movement with this group we're seeing. We're seeing Jadarius Green McKnight moving to the Sam spot so some other guys can fit in some to some different roles. But I'll look out for Kerry and Martin coming down from the safety position to linebacker. He made two starts last year, and then they have a ton of transfers that I think they're going to have to make an impact. Keyshawn Brown comes in from App State. He's a very twitchy, athletic guy. You have Landon Watson coming in from TCU and Stephen Dix from Florida State. So I think there's the more the most question marks, I think, as far as this team in general and this defense is this linebacking core. But when you have the guys up front that I think are going to eat, it's going to make things a lot easier for you. And this, as far as re- realistic expectations go, I think you can't expect this secondary to do what they did last year because they had an absolutely historic season. They were the third best pass defense in the country, according to Phil Steele. Stephen Gilmore's a giant loss, and he was a big reason why Micah Abraham was so successful because the only thing better than having one shutdown corner is having two of them, and I think that's something they're going to have to kind of step up this year. Andre Sam was one of the best when it comes to playing the safety position in the conference. Isaiah Norman and EJ Jackson are both experienced losses as well. So I think with those losses, it's kind of unrealistic to expect the same thing out of the secondary. But I think Micah Abraham will have one side of the field shut down. I like the size and experience addition of J.J. Roberts from Wake Forest at the safety spot. Every Sunbelt school kind of wanted him when he hit the portal. So I think between him and some of the other prospects they have that have come through the portal, you have Miles Bell from UConn, who's not as proven. You have a guy like Ishmael Ibrahim from Texas, who's a transfer. These guys aren't as proven transfers, but I think with the defensive culture built to this place, they can maybe step in those roles and still perform well, just not the greatness we saw last year in the secondary. So I think when you look at the pieces that come and go from this defense as a whole, you can expect similar things from last year, but not in specific areas as far as the secondary and a couple other spots. Yeah, the defense uh, no doubt will look different uh, this fall, but do they have the ability to play at a similar level? I think the answer is yes. Caden, Marshall's special teams unit, uh, they were bad last year. Phil Steele had them ranked as the 123rd ranked special teams unit out of 133 teams at the FBS level a season ago. The Thundering Herd returned most of that unit from last season. They also bring in Tennessee transfer Colby Morgan, who enters as the punter this season. Caden, it feels like they can only go up from here on special teams this fall, and that would be a way to further elevate this team. Yeah, it was a bizarre step back because this is usually a unit that takes pride in itself, is very regarded highly throughout the conference, throughout the nation. I mean, the last couple of years, this is a unit that typically finishes the top 50 in the country, but they took a step back last season. I think if they want to be a championship team like they aspire to be, they're going to have to get it done in special teams as well. They're always good at kind of managing the clock and controlling field position, but they just cannot afford to take a step back in this area, especially if things don't go quite the way early in the season on the offensive side of the ball, maybe like it did last season. So hopefully they can take a step up in this area, and I think it will be huge for them if they want to kind of make do on those championship aspirations. Yeah, certainly special teams can elevate a football team, Kane. You've talked a lot about that on uh, previous episodes of the show. Moving on, last thing to talk about, Caden, is the schedule this fall, and it's a brutal one, although they do have a great opportunity to get off to a strong start to the season. 
The over-under currently sitting at seven wins this year for the Thundering Herd. Albany's going to be a win in week one. East Carolina and Virginia Tech in weeks two and three both seem like winnable games heading into the season. That stretch, though, from mid-October through mid-November, Caden, is going to be disgusting, brutal even. You get James Madison at home on a Thursday night, and then you go on the road for back-to-back games at Coastal Carolina and App State. You come home for a game against Georgia Southern before then traveling all the way down to Mobile to face South Alabama. That's the five-week stretch. Caden, this schedule is brutal. You talk all the time about how it's laid out, and to be honest, it couldn't have gotten much worse for Marshall this fall. Yeah, it's a pretty rough one, and that's kind of the hand you get dealt in the East nowadays when you just look at the consistent level of competition. But the conference definitely didn't do this team any favors as far as the ordering and that five-week stretch you talked about. That's absolutely dangerous and all must-win games minus the South Alabama game for this team. But I think there's a reason I picked them to come out of this side of the conference. I think when you look at what they have up front and across the board, they're built literally physically for stretches like this. I think when you look at other teams in the country and even just in the conference, Running the ball and the defense is something you can rely on late in the season if you're good at, and it can get you through these rough stretches. And I think they have the personnel to do that, especially on the East, especially especially against some of these other teams who might not be quite as strong on the defensive side of the ball. I think Marshall will be able to run it well against this team. The question is going to be, will they be able to have a hot start to the season? Will they maybe get to that 9-10 win mark that they achieved last season from just early momentum built? So I'm excited for them. I'm definitely nervous about that stretch during the season they have that's really tough, but I think Ultimately, they're built for that, and if they can come out of that, they'll probably be the representative of the East and would be very dangerous, I think, in a conference championship scenario, given the battle scars and the wounds they would have to go to to get there. Yeah, Marshall, certainly a fascinating team heading into 2023. Caden and I are both convinced that they could really play spoiler in that Sunbelt East and perhaps make it into the title game. Well, that will do it for our Marshall preview on the Freire and Smith podcast. Big shout out to Marshall head coach Charles Huff, as well as their associate athletic director, Grant Trailer, uh, for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast on Monday. Our season preview series makes its seventh stop in Statesboro, Georgia, as we welcome Georgia Southern head coach Clay Helton to talk about the Eagles' upcoming season. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please consider leaving us a review or a quick five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're counting down the days to the start of the Sunbelt football season. It's coming quickly. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weber, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.